welcome to P3 Radio. The monkey only dances as good as the guy grinding the organ handle. <laughs> brother, brother, brother. <laughs> I fly, bro. That is never stopping. Trust goes to the white. <laughs> cool story, bro. Footy pajamas. Hey, genius, it's, three, it's 2 p.m. Central. PG3 Radio. Here's your host, Josh Friday. Get him off pig, Freddy. Get him off pig. Richard And as I put you down, my pants ripped. <laughs> it's showtime! It's showtime! It's showtime! Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of P3 Radio. I'm Richard Mulliken, joined by my co-host, the man that is the wind beneath my wings, the 1983 Mr. Dixie Youth Grand Champion and best friend, Josh Bradley. Say hey, Josh. Well, you know, Richard Lee, there's about 200 different things I can look back on in life and say I might not should have done that. There's about 200 women I can look back on and say the same thing about. But there's also (laughs) 200 different things, episode-wise, that I absolutely love. Number 200, baby. What's up, Richard Lee? Episode 200 right now of P3 Radio. That's just, um, that's bizarre. And, and unlike Josh's sexual history, we're not multiplying that by 10. We've <laughs> actually done 200 shows. <laughs> no, I mean, when we first started this podcast, and we'll have our, our what, three, four-year anniversary in August? Is that when it is? It'll be number four. Wow. Like a whole presidential term there. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, well, you don't talk some about people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, man, like. I remember when I first sent you the message saying, hey, you ever thought about doing a podcast? You're like, every day. <laughs> I was like, well, all right, let's do this. And we've done 200 shows now. Well, you know, I mean, before we started doing the show, it's kind of like you hear those those people talk about things that they wish they would have done and stuff. And, you know, there's a, a lot of times it's just like uh, people wanting to do something, but they're afraid or they don't know how to, to get the start. And I'm going to tell you something, man. If there wouldn't have been for for a lot of people, like, uh, number one, like BT, if he wouldn't have gave us the advice that he gave us, we probably wouldn't be here where we're at right now. Right. You know, as far as, like, how to get started, what you need to do, what you don't need to do, and everything in between, man. Yeah, I mean, he definitely helped us out a lot. And then we had some great guests. We had a an awesome booker for like the first two years <laughs> until he just took a vacation <laughs> just got really fat and said he didn't want to bug people on twitter but anymore. you know man I, I, yeah and that's you that's the booker <laughs> but you know a lot of times it's a lot easier not to have a guest it's just yeah. a lot easier to just flow with what you want to talk about opposed to what you feel like you're having to talk about with those guests but not the greatest uh, time for a segue. We're going to have Kevin White on later. <laughs> well, I was getting that. I was getting to that. Uh, we had a little bit, because uh, we're recording this. Uh, the future. In the future. In the future, which is now the past. <laughs> Got it? But, man, we had a absolute blast of a time with Kevin White. Well, and you'll hear it at the, end of this inter- at the end of this segment after the commercial break. We're going to cue that in. Yeah, Kevin was one of the guys that... Uh, he was a wrestling he was, sensei. He was the guy that trained me, and uh, well, was, I'll, I'll get into it. But you know, Bill trained me for three weeks, and was like, "I'm out of here, brother." <laughs> Kevin was like your senior Miyagi. Yeah, 
So uh, and and you'll hear a great interview. We we went about what fifty minutes with Kevin. We told 52 him thirty to be exact. We told him thirty and then held him twenty extra minutes. <laughs> but no, I mean it's it's. I think it turned out really good. But uh, one thing I didn't ask him was um, something I I think that has been all over. I mean, you could not not see this this past week, which is. Well, guess what, motherfucker? We all are. <laughs> Shit! <laughs> That's right. Buff Bagwell made the news. I mean, was there anybody in their mama that wasn't a wrestling fan that didn't repost that mugshot? Like, I saw that mugshot. Like, I was literally thinking I was seeing I the actually same... think my mama posted that mugshot. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but, I mean, I remember, like, one day last week, I was scrolling through Facebook, and I thought I had a problem with Facebook because it was like every other post. You said, is that Scott Hall? <laughs> no, that ain't Scott Hall. Wait a minute. He honestly looked like like Alan Thicke's illegitimate son. He was a a lot different looking, but you know when you're ever you're living that kind of life. Yeah, you know he's still being buffed to stuff, man. Yeah. I, and God bless him. I did know? send you that uh, Facebook post. Uh, I should have pulled that up really quick, where he's basically he comes on and he's uh, well. Let me see. If he I went can... on live, and he yeah. went on live two different videos because the first one fucked up. <laughs> 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 do we still have it i, I wish i could so. find it but anyways he came on and all of a sudden now he has no gray hair uh his facial hair is dark and looks like it's like it's like, like he you paid were, a barber to to trim him up you know when you're a kid and you want to go to you know halloween as a pirate so your mom will take her mascara out and draw on a little goatee <laughs> yeah that's what it looked like it, it looked like he had drawn on his goatee with like a sharpie so he comes on. And he's like, "I'm going to tell my side of the story." And this- the only way you're going to see that is in Dalton, Georgia, this weekend at no, fucking flea in, market. It's in June 19th. That that's what I thought was weird. He was like, "Dalton, Georgia, June 19th." And fucking friendly Frank's son. flea market. It's at a legit flea it's market. It's at a flea market. But here's the thing. Like now, that makes me ask two questions. One is he did he buy a booth at a flea market? Definitely. And he's just, he's is, like, look, man. Is he going to make this filming that video? He was like, look, man. All we need is you and your goddamn phone. And what we're going to do is tell my side of the story. Did, That's it. Did did it, now that makes me wonder: Is he going to tell the same story every you know? five six minutes <laughs> like or is he gonna like have a recording in, in that's playing or whatever hey i got in for the last three minutes what'd you say buff <laughs> well let me say this again <laughs> what had happened <laughs> i got pulled over right <laughs> so there what was go. the full charges Which it was, was like right 11 different charges but a lot of them are like grouped in with the same type of shit Right. Well, and that's what they do, you know, for the most part. You'll you'll get like um you'll get hold on, is this it right here? That is it. Okay, Buff Bagwell drops. Look how in perfect his. that goatee is, by the way. Yeah, it had to be the just, dude doing the camera that did it because he's not doing that alone with dark lighting in a mirror in a no. bathroom mirror. Is there audio to this? There's ads with it definitely. Yeah, I don't see it. Uh and it's not it's not coming up. Okay, yeah. He just, I'm telling you, brother, this is going to be hot. It's cool, and I want you to know, honest to God, this has been the biggest deal that has happened to me in a long, long time. I want to thank every person that's prayed for me, cared for me, and actually gave a crap about me. Not the ones, not the haters, which 
I, but he says in the video, you can check out the video. He captured it with Buff Daddy is coming to Dalton, Georgia, Saturday, June 19th. <laughs> I will be addressing the controversy surrounding May 27th. Which gives me enough time to prepare <laughs> my statements. <laughs> you got to know a lawyer probably was like, hey, you better not go out there anywhere for the next couple couple weeks until How we. How about can- I wait till June 19th? <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold on. In the video, we're looking at ringside news, but in the video, I guess they didn't have a three, two, one, go. They just started recording, and Buff just awkwardly he is got standing the point there. About midway through. Yeah. Three, two. <laughs> and then he starts laughing. I love going live because live just is live. You can't do it no other way. I am Buff. <laughs> I am the stuff. And the girls just can't get enough. But Saturday, June 19th, from 9 a.m. until 2 p.m., you can come see me, Buff Bagwell, at Big D Flea Market at 3451. I'm sorry. Flea- I'm sorry. Look, we ain't shit no. for a show if we do not go to Dalton, Georgia, June 19th. You want to go to Dalton, I'm Georgia? I'm telling you, man, we have to. Nine there's, to two. There's no other way. There's no other way. That's five hours of him going, the cops are fucking lying. (laughs) If anything. Is he going to be there just telling that story over and over? You got to think this was a pre-planned event. Like somebody was like, hey, you want to come to Dalton? Yeah. And then the the stuff happens. Boots are only $10, brother. And then he was like, you know what? Um, I'd like to really get out there and tell my side of the story. And the promoter was like, damn it. I, don't, I really wish you wouldn't. I it's like the guy playing the pan flute yeah. for fucking six hours <laughs> at a time. No, we're going to set up a microphone. And you're like, no, I don't know. We don't have a PA system. You were just going to sign <laughs> autographs. <laughs> Dude, we have to try to go. Man, it, <sighs> I got to look and see if there's a Braves game in between <laughs> that we could probably go to. You've never been to a baseball game, right? I've been to some, but not a professional. Well, you need to try. All right, here we go. Let's listen to some more of this. In Dalton, Georgia. The best part of this is you will get to hear my side of the story that everybody's been talking about. There's only two people that know the truth. (laughs) Officer Henry, who put them cuffs on me, and Buff Bagwell. I'm sure there's got to be dash cam footage, too. Oh, definitely. And guess who those two people are? God and Buff Bagwell. One of them who is not a person. (laughs) Oh, man. An entity. He did this at like, is that 10 at night or uh, 9.45 at night or 9.45 in the morning? I think I see the big hand on a (laughs) 10 something. It's almost 11. (laughs) Boom Promotions got very, very smart. And are going to let me tell my side of the story. So, if you want to hear the truth about the incident on May 22nd, come to Big D Flea Market. And (laughs) I will be there from 9 a.m. until 2 p.m. Telling the absolute <laughs> truth. It's a five-hour story. You're going to want to get there at 8.45. Make sure you get all your bathroom breaks in. 
<laughs> so then I was five, right? And I wanted a pony. <laughs> and, and my, my rich ass dad wouldn't buy me one. <laughs> it's like, how far it. back are we going with this, Buff? <laughs> and here's the sad thing. I okay, loved look. Buff. I loved Buff as a kid. I did too. I Marcus thought he was under Bagwell. I you thought know, he was charismatic as hell. Spurberry High School. Yeah. You know, all that shit. I loved it. Yeah. And uh seen him in that porno on action paper. <laughs> <laughs> and then my thoughts changed. Really? And he came back as American Males and then uh, yeah. all that males. jazz. I I, I still like Buff though. I do. And I hate this, man. Like But good to know. Dalton, Georgia is only four hours and 16 minutes away. It must be just south of... Uh, it is right under Chattanooga. Yeah, I was going to say, it's got to be just south of so, Chattanooga. You know. I mean, we could do it. We can do it. We could make a little... Uh, we could spend the night, make a day trip out of it. i got to figure out where my wife's working and if we can do it, but that's June 19th. Yes, that's yeah. what the man said. Yeah. It's the weekend before I think we go out of town. So, yeah, we, we could probably be done. It's possible. You know, I, I think we owe it to everybody to be present and be going live because you know what Buff says about going live. Do you think we could get him on our show? I think we could pester the shit out of him <laughs> and maybe get him to do at least a sound drop. We get four episodes on the way down. We get a full month ahead on schedule. <laughs> and four episodes on the way back. We'd be two months ahead of schedule. We'd be talking about old shit. <laughs> yeah. Hey, guys, what about the stock market? And like, that was eight weeks ago. <laughs> Did y'all hear about Biden? He's president now. <laughs> we landed on the moon. Man, that's old shit. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean... All this stuff that would be like, we could do a bunch of shows. We could do some lives on the way to the show. You know, that'd be kind of fun. It would, wouldn't it? I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to explore this. But, yeah, I just, I hate to see, you know, a legend, <laughs> I guess you would say. I mean, this is where... You're treading on thin water. I mean, you just... You hate to see this. You know what I mean? Like, oh, there's I definitely mean, some bad decisions that have been made, and you hope the guy can do better. There's you know what I mean? the odd chance that he's telling the complete truth. No. And everybody's full of shit, <laughs> and his story is the actual truth. And then there's right. reality. You know, yeah. Like, it's probably somewhere in between. Well, we've all known those people that. I mean, now, granted, there are some people that make mistakes. DDP has already came out and started talking about the dangerous. Uh, he's he's treading on thin water, so to speak, with his drug problem. Right. Like, that's what DDP yeah, said I mean, yeah. in an interview last week talking about this exact incident. I'm not saying DDP's like the no, uh, no, no, go-to no, no. guru for fucking problems. <sighs> but my thing is... Most we all know that we all we have all had somebody that was addicted in our life at some point or another yeah. that we have seen that nothing's ever their fault. Nothing's ever their problem. Right. You know, if they get in trouble and instead of feeling like if you would have told me I would have got arrested and charged with half the things that he got charged with. Now, once again, I'm going to bring it up in Kevin's interview that I was a goody goody. I kind of still am. <laughs> but if I got charged with half the stuff, you think that I'm going to come on and be like, it was the cops. <laughs> They're the ones that are messing up. Not me. <laughs> you know what I mean? It would right. be like that. That's a telltale sign of somebody that's kind of losing control. And I hope not, because like I said, I like him. I hope he can make a difference. I hope he can turn some stuff around. 
I mean, and I hate to say it like this too. I mean, you're looking at what 19 days away or 20 days from when we're recording this. Yeah, Th- three weeks. It's almost three weeks. Saturday. What, what are the shot? What What is the shot that it's actually going to be? He's going to be at that thing. You know what I mean? And There's who do we call to confirm before we start driving? <laughs> not saying that some. Hey, Big D, is Buff still fucking committed? <laughs> not saying that there's something that's going to be wrong with him. You know what I mean? Like, but I've, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying that he's going to be dead by then. That's not, I'm, I'm, I don't want anybody to think I'm saying that. But I'm saying, like, addicts aren't the best at holding commitments. Right. right. You know, addicts are a lot like my, my, uh, my real biological father. You know, they have a, they have, let me get the sound effects. Here we go. <laughs> They're always going for smokes. You know, they might not come back. Here's your five bucks for guitar strings. I'll see you when you get grown. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Woo, those guitar strings are bad, Richard Lee. <laughs> you need another set now? <laughs> I done got some five years ago, brother. <laughs> uh, but man, I, I I don't know. We'll, we'll look about going because that could be interesting. But man, I don't. I hope he gets help. I really do too. I re- I really do hope he gets help because, man, he he's gonna need it. He's an absolute talent, you know. I mean, like if 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 it wasn't for his shortcomings and like his personal life, I think he would have got way further in his professional life. Do you think that he got upset by that mug shot showing oh, the way he looked? Definitely not, not not ashamed of what he was accused of you know what i mean because you could tell that he doesn't care that he got accused of anything the look is probably what bothered him the most just because he's he's look oriented yeah like oh god yeah that was that was his thing you know that's why he looks the way he does whenever he posted that live video you know he looked like fucking scott hall's younger brother with half gray hair half black hair and i went the alan thick route but i mean then you see him looking like he did in this video which you know the woman that, absolutely trimmed up from head to toe and everything was perfect the goatee reminded me of the woman at church that draws her eyebrows on really thick <laughs> like she don't have any eyebrows but <laughs> yeah. she's drawing them she's on making like she does and it looks looks like she took like the tatanka under the eye paint <laughs> and put it over her eyebrows <laughs> and you're like what the hell is that oh. that is uh sister war eagle i mean uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> but you know what i mean like you don't have any eyebrows, yes. but now you have these big bushy eyebrows, like of someone that you know would teach chemistry or something. <laughs> like it's about five years from retiring, right? Like those kind of eyebrows, oh, dark brown eyebrows. God bless him, man. I hope Buff gets better. Though. I do, but hey, we might be going to Dalton, Georgia, and that's the beauty of it. That, 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 and if we are, we will get so much content on that trip. Oh my god, so much content! I can't wait. I cannot wait. Just the trip alone. I'm surprised you're actually thinking about going if you're not thinking about going to big d's flea market june 19th <laughs> something's wrong with you no i mean that is like saying i invited hey, you to a mu- music trivia night and you were like which is like literally five minutes from your house and you were like nah <laughs> what does that do for me well absolutely it's fun. nothing it's fun Something but do you know do. what big d's flea market on june 19th with buff bagwell telling his side of the story i know what an empty me. booth and us looking sad at it's gonna do <laughs> he's supposed to be here at nine what that's why i'm saying we need to confirm with big d before we start driving they're not gonna like he's gonna call them up like hey man i'm not coming <laughs> he's just not it's gonna, just gonna, gonna be show. spur of the moment he just doesn't show up that's the Starbucks way these things was closed 
closed. Yeah. I got pissed. <laughs> so I'm in Texas right now. <laughs> what are you doing in Texas? How's that happen? Judy Bagwell's out there just sitting. Swear to God, my son he is, can't be is, here. is enabled. He can't show uh, up tonight. <laughs> uh, at uh, least it'll be a fun uh, Zoom show trip or whatever. Well, we got time before a commercial break to do one more, Josh. Which one do you want to do? You have a, so many here. I have a bunch of them, don't I? It makes like I've just been sending shit in for <laughs> weeks and weeks and weeks, and nothing's been getting read. Well, we've been doing stuff. We've had a lot of stuff going on. So, uh, you know, someone who's been a uh, constant ever since the inception, this is episode 200, Richard. Yes. We've been doing this for 200 weeks solid. And someone who keeps getting brought up time Toto. and time again. No. Moby. Absolutely not. I, I love you, Moby. Please be our <laughs> co-host. Uh, we don't want to shut shit down, though, but just please come on. But uh, no. Red Sovan. Even, uh, well, I can't say even better because, I mean, who's better <laughs> than red, right? So, I, I, maybe like second or third rung from Red Sovan. Steve. God damn it, baby, no, I ain't lying to you. I'm only going to tell you one time. David Lee Roth? I fucking wish. No. Keep on rocking, shout the devil, and, uh, and do, yeah, do some feel-good stuff at four, <laughs> and big old, big old four-row, you man. Vince Neil? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Y'all killing me with this R. Kelly. Man, if he's got a cell phone, he needs to do our podcast. Man, everybody got AIDS and shit. Whoever that guy was. He was in the movie South Central and then Showgirls and then disappeared. Uh, I can't remember the when actor's you name. you deal with Richard, you're dealing with style. That guy? Class and elegance. What the fuck was that guy's name? Uh, <laughs> Richard. He just Robert told something. Either way, uh, he was in some westerns back in the 60s. But no, not him. Excellent actor. I look up to him so much just yeah. because he's in one of my favorite movies of all fucking time, Private Obsession. No! Mr. Under Siege <gasps> himself. Siegel. Steven Seagal. Steven Siegel. I don't care what he says his name is. That name is Siegel. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's like Cooper or Cooper. I mean, it's... I've never I've, heard that. <laughs> yeah, you mean, saying that is the first time I've heard it. Well, my family insisted that Co it was Co Cooper. Cooper? Not Cooper. Cooper. I would literally... Yeah, I, I, I said, that doesn't make sense. I'd whip it out and, and like, piss I, on him right there. Well, let me tell you something. <laughs> that was my mama's name, and that's the way she said it. And that's the way it is. So, meh. You know. No, I couldn't. I couldn't do that. I could not... No. <laughs> that's like the... What was the Terrell Owens? It's Terrell. No, Terrell. No, it's Terrell. That's the way he or wanted to be called. You Terrell. can have uh, Andrea or Andrea. It depends on the. How do you How do you say the islands? The islands that start with C. Hawaii. No, <laughs> that start with C. The islands. Mon C A R B E A N or C A C A R. The Caribbean. Is it Caribbean or is it Caribbean? It depends on who's the announcer for the Caribbean title <laughs> is at that point. Was there a Caribbean title? Did there I, was. There was? Who held that? Uh, Mr. Usually. <laughs> Mr. Caribbean. <laughs> usually Carlos Colon. <laughs> uh, so anyways, Mr. Siegel, what are we doing with him? So the uh, I seen a headline last week. It says, Juliana Margolis recalls traumatic hotel room encounter... Oh, with no. Mr. Steven Seagal. Now, you know, 
back then, because this woman, she was the one from, uh, I think it was Under Siege. Mm-hmm. Like, she was the the uh, the woman in that movie or whatever. That or was maybe, her. <laughs> look for her in the credits as the woman in that movie. Well, she was like, you know, because he always had the main squeeze or the woman that was with him or whatever. In the one movies. that had to pay handsomely to make out with Steven Seagal. <laughs> oh, we'll get there. <laughs> so, Juliana Margolis is opening up about her traumatic hotel room encounter with Steven Seagal when she was auditioning for the first time for this film role. Now, while, uh, I mean, uh, we usually don't promote While appearing on a podcast, uh, DR and the good wife, actress (laughs) 54, talked about meeting the action star who was armed with a gun alone in his hotel room suite ahead of appearing in the 1991 Out for Justice after the female casting director was a last-minute no-show. So, so that's, did this woman, she just call Mr. Margolis or Mrs. Margolis and be like, hey, just go meet with Steven. I'm not going to be there. Shit got weird. And then, Or is she saying that Steven Seagal was in a room and was like, hey. I don't want to be there. Yeah. Or no, maybe he just made up the fact that she was supposed to be there and she wasn't. You know, I mean, I don't know what they're saying here. I swear she's supposed to be here. She's the casting agent. Why wouldn't she be here? Well, oh. she's not here. <laughs> I didn't shoot her if that's what you're asking. <laughs> I have a gun, by the way. But uh, Margolis <laughs> said that she ultimately got out of the room unscathed, something that she details in her new memoir, Sunshine Girl. Now, uh, Mrs. Margolis is just talking about this. In light of her new book. Now, why is it that all of a sudden, whenever somebody's writing a new book, like... They've got to have something that grabs... Yeah, like... Usually Sinead- they try to go after A-listers, though. <laughs> what do you say? Like Sinead O'Connor was going after Prince. Prince yeah. That's an A-lister. Prince is an A-lister. But why are you just talking about it now when it happened fucking 31 years ago? <laughs> like, that's my problem. And why is it the best one you could come up with is Siegel? <laughs> I mean, she was in Out for Justice. Wouldn't Brad Siegel be a better <laughs> target than Steven Seagal? He'd just fucking lie, wouldn't he? <laughs> I mean, Steven Seagal would probably would just lie, but oh, what are you saying? All Seagulls lie? I don't know what I'm saying. At least these two, the Brad and Steven, are fucking liars. Did you but ever he, see that cartoon with the Steven Seagal uh, thing where they were like, making fun of him and then he confronts him it's a cartoon it's all based it's all cartoon based and he's like i don't like the things you've been saying to me about me and you're and they're like could you speak up dick <laughs> like <laughs> he's like i don't like the things you've been saying about me and your cartoons and then he just whips their ass you know, because the creators thought it would be right. funny it, in fact one point he throws a uh, punch at him and he catches his punch and he's like Please don't break my arm. <laughs> of course, he breaks his <laughs> arm. <laughs> so it says, I was straight out of college, and all I wanted was... Straight my... out of college! <clears throat> I've been crazy, here for years. <laughs> crazy bitch named Julian Margolis. Or, eh, or, or uh, completely sane. <laughs> yeah. And Steven S- Siegel is <laughs> crazy. So it says, I was straight out of college, and all I wanted was my SAG card. That stra- Screen Actors Guild card for everybody not knowing. And that's a, a payday for every movie sold yeah. or every time it's broadcast or whatever. You also get, like, insurance options. Exactly. It's, it's creds, yeah. Margolis recalled that setting the scene, I had given myself five years to make a living as an actress. If it didn't happen, then I'll quit and do something else. Go roof houses or... Something worthy of my time. Caddy. 
or <laughs> try for NASCAR. I don't know. But she says do I'm something not, else. I'm not going to beg. I'm going to live on. A, I'm not going to live on a futon for the rest of my life. So the right right out of college, I had this agent, and they sent me on a Steven Seagal audition. My God, like that's just bull out of the gate. Yeah. You know, I didn't know who he was. I didn't go to see those kind of movies. That wasn't my jam. <laughs> That's not a lot of people's jam. Let's be honest. I'm not the, so. the the worst, the last Steven Seagal movie I saw was that one with DMX. And oh, it was, yeah, yeah, like yeah. he's fighting DMX for a good two minutes, and then all of a sudden they just stop. And DMX goes, "Hey, we're wait, friends. We're friends now. Let's, <laughs> let me show you what I've been working on." <laughs> it's like, wait, what? Yeah, we're just trying to kill each other. Oh, how'd that happen? And how bad is Steven Siegel if he can't even whip DMX's ass? <laughs> I guess. You know, looking back, right? Yeah. So it says the inspiring star did well at her first audition. And which Siegel, Seagal, <laughs> you got gotcha. me saying it like Yes. That. He wasn't there for her, and he got a call back. And after being told that Seagal liked her audition tape the night before her second audition she got the call from the casting director saying Seagal had requested that she go to his hotel room suite in New York City to prepare for their scene the next day oh. that sounds a little uh, a, bit like, a little bit like that fart you just gave whenever she got there there was no casting director just the hulking six foot four star who was casually holding a gun hulking as they spoke in the living room. Now, Hulking. I'm sorry. Six foot four. But she just showed up. This It's just a, a small woman, and he's automatically holding a gun. He's like, hey, why don't you come and uh, go over this uh, screen thing with me? At the same time, she's a startup actress that has just been told by the star of the movie, I need you here to go over lines. Why have a gun? I don't know. <laughs> This makes me look bigger than I actually am. Yeah, I like, don't know. You're already. I mean, I don't. Giant. I don't. I don't fault anybody for wanting to protect themselves, even celebrities. You know what I mean? As, as long this as this woman could get crazy. Yeah, at any as time. long as it's legal for him to have one. It probably wasn't in NYC. I think they have a lot of gun. Oh laws. God, yeah, they do. Like he shouldn't have had that in New York City at all. But it says soon after he asked her to move to the bedroom to continue discussing her character, who, by the way, was a hooker with a heart of gold in that movie. And oh, he's trying the old, hey, I'm tired. I think you That's should just live right out here. your gimmick. That way you can get yeah. your character. <laughs> because he was tired after a long day. He what was, the fuck was he doing? He was trying to do that thing where, hey, I'm really tired. I'm going to lay down. Like The cool? movie hasn't even been started yet. Like What if, what were you doing? Uh, oh, I've been with these These pants are really constrictive. I'm just going to whip this out and get some air on it. <laughs> Not because I want to bang you. It's just because, you know, like I feel... Was it, uh, didn't we talk about somebody else having the same... Like, I feel like there was somebody else we talked about doing this that went to their bedroom, <laughs> laid down, and then whipped it out. Like I have no idea. Did he do that? Tell me he didn't whip out the seagull. So, <laughs> she says, he asked me to come to his hotel room at 10 o'clock at night, Margolis said, and then he read my palm and told me he was a healer. Oh, God. He's going that, that to bring out the healing stick. <laughs> we already know what's going to happen. And that I had, a, I had weak kidneys. <laughs> Noted that he could help her with his pain that she didn't have, by the way, and heal them for her. I've got the medicine for you. <laughs> oh, it appears you have weak kidneys just by reading your palm. Right. <laughs> like, what the fuck? And it says, 
I think <laughs> I think that was his shtick with women, she said. He would tell them that he is a healer. Now, I mean, what was it? Uh, who was it? Marvin Gaye? He was a sexual healer? Yeah. Sexual healer. <laughs> yeah. But uh, not Steven Seagal. He was just a supposed ass kicker. But uh, Margulies said... They could heal women's kidneys with his penis. Yeah, all I got to do is shoot this up. <laughs> 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 oh my god hopefully she didn't fall with it let's uh let's read on let's see what margulies first shared the story in november 2017 amid the me too movement now i guess steven seagal wasn't that popular of a star so it right. never registered <laughs> you know jenny mccarthy and uh eva larue and all them they they kind of got uh ahead of her in the line so to speak right which was uh, and they're bigger names too they are and he denied the allegations and he never was charged with any crimes in 2018 he stormed out of a live interview after being questioned about the allegations so what does that say to you i mean whenever my mom used to ask me Who's shitting the floor in here? <laughs> and I just barge out and go outside and fucking get on my bike. That was Wait me admitting guilt. You shitting the floor? Why did you shit in the floor? That's happened to me like three times in life. Okay? And each time I reacted in the same thing. I'm know? tired of this shit. Why you gotta accuse me of shit you know I didn't do? Can't, well, ain't your daddy's turds. Can't wait to be 21 until I can move out of here. <laughs> It's actually 18, Josh. You can move well, out now. My life plan says 21. <laughs> uh, oh my god. Well, here's the other thing. And and you got to this is a very it's a very tricky situation. You know what I mean? This is very difficult. I'll say because it. you can't you can't villainize either one of them because here's the thing. If you villainize him, <laughs> if you villainize him and he's an innocent man, well you've piled on. It's Duke Lacrosse all over again. If you villainize her, well, you definitely can't do that. You can't. You can't say that he didn't do anything, and you can't say that he did something. And you, at the same time, you can't say that she did nothing. You know what I mean? Like, there's so much there. I, I don't want to well, say this. You're 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 painting me into a corner here. Yeah. And I can say Putting that baby in a corner. I think there was a lot of good that did come out of the Me Too movement, like with people. Definitely. A lot of good, but I do think there were. Bags. I do think there were people trying to jump on for attention on some of those that just felt guilty right. about making a bad choice that they made. And now I will say this: if you're the lead actor in a movie, it's a fine line between trying to pick up on your co-star. And nowadays, that would be looked at as, like, slimy. Right. You know what I mean? Are you saying in the 90s it didn't matter so much? <sighs> it was a little bit more loose in the 90s. You it know was. what I mean? Like, or at least that's the way it was portrayed. Present, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it was feelings were still the same. We were then. still a long ways away from the madmen's, you know, having the secretary set now, on Now, wait lap, a minute. Like, All you, those people killed themselves was Kevin Spacey. Don't madmen me. <laughs> you know? But you know what I mean? Like, and that it's weird, a very huh? thin... Like, you can't... You can't say that some of it wasn't good because, yeah, nobody should be a scumbag and say you're not going to get this part unless you, you know, do he what you He never said that. All no. he said was he was a healer and she had bad <laughs> kidneys. Now, we can say that he's the worst <laughs> pickup artist ever. Like, it might rival his horrible karate moves. <laughs> what, what he's worst at? Aikido. Karate or... <laughs> he's a keto. Is it a keto or is it his pickup game? They're both pretty weak. <laughs> both of them require you to attack him first, and then he's going to throw you down sloppily. <laughs> but the thing about it is, it's like, 
at the end of the day, he did he did he ever say, hey, if you don't do this, you're not going to get like when do we vilify somebody for trying to pick up on a girl? Right. You know what I mean? Because we've all like, well, I'm just like, hey, you got a nice rack. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, hey, I'm a healer. As guys, you know, there are some cringeworthy stories out there of us trying to impress girls. Oh, definitely. You know what I mean? And like some things that we've I've done. I wrecked bikes back in the day. <laughs> like trying to do tricks to impress a girl. <laughs> like if I could just pull Look off like this an asshole. If I could just pull off this heel clicker, she's going to love and me. And then they're <laughs> laughing. They're like, hey, he busted his ass. <laughs> yeah. Shut up. I hate you forever now. <laughs> but I mean, at what point do we say... Look at this asshole on this bike over here. You know, I know, but you know, you know, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I, it's a very fine line you walk because if you say something wrong, you're canceled. Right. You know what I mean? And but right now, I keep reading. There might be more to it, but right now it just sounds like he tried to make a pass at me and I declined it. So on the podcast that she was talking on, Dak Shepard remarked, "The preposterous, it, or it was preposterous." That the action star's line of being a healer sounded. Now, which, you <laughs> right. know, to me and you both, the, hey, but in the 1990s, before the internet, this motherfucker might be a healer. I mean, he was trying to do the uh, Yuri Geller. He was Yuri, wearing a gi and everything. Yuri so. Geller, I can make this spoon bend with my mind. And like this, this was before like karate was popularized. Like, look <laughs> at this man's clothing. He might be a healer. And Margolis said that she can find humor in it now. But listen, I'm fine, she said. I got out of the room unscathed. But she said that I wrote about it because, well, for several reasons. One, it was very, it was a very funny story, she said, and uh, her overall interaction with Seagal. I don't mean to belittle it, but it wasn't that it wasn't in, it was traumatic because it was. It was traumatic for her. You know, it's, it's, that's her perception. Like, it's not. I, I guess I, it's I don't forwardness. Mean to belittle it. Belittle it in that it wasn't traumatic because it was. See, she's saying that it may not sound that way, but it was for me because of what I had to live now, through. Granted, I'm not but, a woman. But I was raised says, by women. I was raised by women. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I understand. And I, you know, I have a daughter, and I want the best for her. And I'm going to teach them as much as I can. And there's going to be times that. I can't, you know, help. If you see a guy in a karate gi or a leisure suit <laughs> saying that he's a healer, get right. the fuck out. Yeah, and that sounds like what she did. And she and and, and I'm with her when she says, "Hey, I'm I was unscathed. I wrote about it because it was funny. This guy tried to pick up on it, me, but it was traumatic to her. Yeah, in her perspective. But she goes on to say, nothing happened to me. Yeah, I did not get sexually assaulted, and that's and great. I think she had to say that. Yeah, just because it. That, well, if well legally. <laughs> yeah, I, that legally. was kind of the picture that she painted. But she's just saying that a guy was kind of a little scurvy with her, you know. And she added, when the Me Too movement happened, I had heard women talking about things that he had done, and I was like, yeah, I was in that hotel room. However, she said that's his stick about being a healer, giving me, and it gave me the courage to stand up and get out there. You know what that makes me want to do? And, and this would not be funny, although I know that he's, like, probably that alpha male that's very, like, homophobic. <laughs> sent, sent a bunch of guys his way with bent penises. <laughs> Can you use these healing hands on me? <laughs> we made a lot of bad choices. If you're a healer... You gotta share that gift. Straighten that thing out. I'm trying to get at least another inch and a half. <laughs> that he 
Then he <laughs> then he gains a lot of fame by being like the dick chiropractor. <laughs> he can pop it, snap it, now it's straight again. Oh my God, wouldn't that be something? Margulies goes on to say she does not recall she being a lot invited. To talk about. She does not recall being invited to the film when it came out. You don't say. Yeah. You didn't let him well, you heal just, you. You embarrassed the healer. You and them damn bad kidneys. Like, what the he hell? He thought you were probably dead now from the bad kidneys. I mean, let's just be honest. <laughs> I'm sensing your enzymes are way off. And You're yellow like you have jaundice. <laughs> let me pull out this magic healing stick. Oh, my God. And it says in the Sunshine Girl... Margolis detailed the full story of the hotel encounter, writing that when she first arrived in uh, Seagal's suite and sat on the couch, she felt something hard beneath the cushion. It turned out to be the gun in which he told her that he kept it to be safe from the crazies. And here's the thing. I get it. You know what I mean? If... You know Aikido. You're a master at Aikido. Sometimes it doesn't matter what you know. You by their pinky. And throw them over your shoulders, I, so you say. As I'm going to play the typical southern southern card right here. I'll Aikido his ass with this 45. I have no problem with somebody carrying a gun to, legally to defend themselves. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you get some crazy people out there. You, especially if you're known to be the badass karate guy. You know, it's just like when a wrestler would walk into a bar and somebody would have to test them. Yeah. You know, it's not, you know, and like you don't old, know what they have. Like old Gene Claude back in the day, that motherfucker, yeah. you know. I mean, he's a badass on the screen, but could he really pull tongue po? I'm not sure. Don't know. But you know, there's a lot of people that want to find out. Yeah, definitely. And, and what would it do for your livelihood if you were the one that, say, knocked out <laughs> Steven Seagal? <laughs> or Gene Claude. And then teabagged him. <laughs> because you have a weird wart and he's a healer. <laughs> oh, he! but after she found the gun to protect I'm him sorry, from Kevin, the- <laughs> if you've listened to all this before our interview. <laughs> we're, uh, this, we're a, uh, this in no way reflects you. <laughs> this is a reputable outfit we're running here. Uh, but uh, either way, after she found the gun, he proceeded to tell her, <laughs> but proceeded to hold on to it while they spoke. Now that's a little weird. <laughs> About the film role. That's which con- that's she felt, that could be considered brandishing. Yeah, <laughs> which she felt he did it to intimidate her. So he just held on to the gun. Oh yes, this is my gun to protect me from the crazies. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, uh, I think you'll be a good hooker in this film. <laughs> what? Why is my finger on the trigger? <laughs> that's because I'm not trained in this. I'm not sure about you yet. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, pretending I wasn't shitting myself was the best course of action, she wrote, of that movement. Just starting, just start talking, say something, deflect. Uh, while they discussed her sex worker character, he told her that he had a really long day and needed to lie down and wanted to finish the conversation in the bedroom. (laughs) She said her stomach was lurching and I could feel my skin getting clammy. He ushered me into the bedroom, which compiled of me... Which, which compelled, compelled me, me to, to talk, talk faster. faster. <laughs> Sorry, can't read. Uh, I was trying to buy time, and I had to talk my way out of that m- out of that much I knew. Uh, I had no chance of survival against a giant with a gun. Um, in the Jesus, this thing goes on for like eight minutes. Let's let's do this quick. In a room, he rested the gun on the table, took her hand in his, and all seri- seriousness said, "Julianne, I'm a healer." I can read your palm and tell you what kind of pain you're in. I can help you out of your pain. She declined, 
noting <laughs> it was nearly midnight. Wait a minute. It was 10 o'clock a minute ago, and That's now it's midnight. That's a lot midnight. of gun time. That's a long walk to the damn room. <laughs> That's like, hey, you got a gun here. <laughs> what are we going to do? Time just stands still, apparently. <laughs> Argo's really fast. Um uh, she declined, noting it was nearly midnight, and she had to get home and then backed out of the, the the room and headed for the door as fast as she could without breaking into a sprint. He followed me a few steps but seemed to find the whole scenario amusing as he leaned one arm on the door jam of the bedroom and watched me scurry. And on her way down to the lobby, my heart was pounding so hard I thought my head would explode. The next day at the audition, she was greeted with a, smi- a smarmy smile from the actor. However, I shrugged it off, act, uh, acted my heart out, and got the gig. Well, here's the thing that you can say. Was it weird? Is it just a weird guy trying to use what little fame he has? And you know, like you doing the trick he on your bike. He was trying not to pay for it that night. That's yeah. all it was. <laughs> like you, He was the guy on his bike trying to do a heel clicker in front of the woman, and he... He flubbed. Mine he was f- usually off of a ramp of some <laughs> sort, but whatever. Imagine, though, he didn't get her fired. It would be like you walking up. You laughed at me, you bitch. <laughs> I'm going to get your job at Sonic taken away. I've done away. that like <laughs> 10 times. Come on. <laughs> They're going to fire you. <laughs> fire your ass. <laughs> you get mad. I've been told, jeans. <laughs> like, hand to God, I've been told I, I was not welcome back at a Sonic because my girlfriend worked there, and she was out there talking to me more. Really? Yes. Like I was, I was uh, a was distraction like, <laughs> to the worker. Well, they hired teens. One so I was in hoping particular this was when you were. Well, younger. I was a teenager okay. as well. So. <laughs> that was like not three weeks ago, right? <laughs> Sir, don't come back here. It's creeping out a lot of people. <laughs> he said, if me and my friend came back, he'd call the law. Like, Damn you. Well, here's the thing. She still got the gig, so it's technically he made her feel uncomfortable right you know and that's what, I mean? what she said she clarified that that he didn't sexually assault her he was just weird as fuck and try to rear yeah. palm because of her kidneys it was his <laughs> that was his go-to man that was what he tried that was his pickup line you know some people say hey you know i know the pain that you're in yeah uh, some people like to flaunt their charity work when they're in those positions some people like to flaunt like their their um their good heart like their you know <laughs> this was a this is a village I went to and helped build this village up from, you know, the ground. <laughs> and some people go, you know, I'm a healer. <laughs> <laughs> Come into the bedroom. Let me read your poem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a man that had one specific genre of porn that he watched. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> What's the worst all the witch doctor porn at? <laughs> I don't know why I made him Batman. She noted, uh, Seagal gave me a hard time on the set, making jokes of, at my expense. But I paid no attention, she wrote. I wanted my SAG card. I needed this job. And the truth is that I was having a blast with the other actors. I love being on the set and getting paid to act. It was my dream. And that's all that I'd been waiting for. I wasn't going to let him spoil that. So, hey, she had the right attitude. Yeah. She knew what to do exactly to get what she wanted and to fucking dispel his weird ass and his healing powers. For her non-existent kidney problems. (laughs) Well, I will say this is one side of the story, but it is interesting. It's entertaining. Let me ask you this. If Steven Seagal... Not that I'm believing him. (laughs) That's what I was going to say. If he releases a shoot interview next week about this woman and her disparaging comments... She kept saying she wanted me to heal her kidney problem, and I was like, I can't do this. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm not a healer at I'm all. I'm not a healer at all. I need you to ask. I need to ask you to leave my hotel room. It's getting very late. And I don't have a gun in my no. palm. That's what you're looking at. This is a cigarette. This is a lighter. prop gun, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a cigarette lighter, like the old. <laughs> I would say that somewhere the truth's in there. To me, on the surface, and I'm not minimizing whatever this woman felt. I guess I am, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> It sounds like the guy tried to pick up line. He didn't force himself on her. He gave her a choice. He's like, I'm going to go in here and lay down. You want to come in here? I can either heal your kidneys yeah. or I cannot. <laughs> yeah. Am I you. healing your kidneys or not? <laughs> Which one is it? <laughs> we all know somebody that has a worse pickup game than that, by the way. Oh, definitely. Somebody out there that said something. that. And here's the shitty part. Sometimes it has worked. <laughs> like we've heard those stories about the guy whipping it out and saying it's not going to suck itself and it just happens. <laughs> and that's oh. a long shot. That's a one in a million. Hey, it works but the 99% fact, of the time, the fact, every time. <laughs> the fact that it has worked that one time why tinker with something that worked <laughs> you know <laughs> we ain't gonna make the wheel more round so i'm telling you this at some point or another steven siegel has went to his hotel room invited a co-star and definitely healed them with his magic stick of whatever <laughs> ailed them probably their kidneys why why divert from that <laughs> how would she know at lower back pain is a common problem we've all had it at counts for most days off of work so it's easy to say hey have you had lower back pain oh it's your kidneys definitely your kidneys and we're gonna heal that right now <laughs> zip <laughs> so hey here's my, my thought though she wasn't she didn't lose her job she had some fun poked at her by him later on which okay say she did it you know say she she went through with the act and he still did the same things which he you know there is no winning there. Maybe he felt embarrassed that he struck out, but he didn't force himself on her. He didn't lose. She didn't lose a job over him. At the end of the day, is this as bad? You know what I mean? Like, granted, it's not. But at granted, the same time, it's, it's a very eye-rolling, douchey move. <laughs> Definitely. But is it that bad? Oh, I don't know. It's please, like Cosby and Please don't man. fire me. <laughs> please don't have me fired you, for asking those questions. But yeah, it's not Cosby. Did you see his new uh, thing in the news? He was denied parole because he refused to go to um, a class for sexual predators to try to get better. Is he trying to stick with the, I didn't do anything wrong? Well, he just refused the class flat out. Yeah. I'm just staying here, motherfucker. At this point, I mean, how old is he? Really old. Yeah, I mean. He's probably like dementia. Yeah. Like, he don't, he don't even know what he's doing at this point. Going blind. Probably shit in the bunk that he's in. Ugh. Bless his heart. You know what he could use? You know what Cosby could use? What? One of the great shirts over at P3 Radio. Man, piece. I'm just, you know, I'm not one to say, hey, don't buy our shirts, but <laughs> I'm going to be this right now. Uh, if you're Bill Cosby, don't buy our fucking shirt. Wouldn't if it you're be? anybody else, besides a few people, <laughs> maybe you should. Tell uh, them how to get there. Well, you go over to tinyurl.com slash P3 Radio Tees. We got all the great shirts over there that follow our show. We got Freddy's Front Yard Slaughterhouse. We got Dwayne Still Gets the Truck. We got so many shirts over there. Josh, once again, tell them how they can get there. Man, we got that ECW-like t-shirt, the 80s tee, so much more. Tinyurl.com slash P3RadioTees is your t-shirt hookup, baby. Go over there and support us. Help us out. Buy a shirt. 
get get the great option. Don't get the lower class option. Get the good quality shirt. Spend a little bit more. Help your nipples out and help our show out at the same time. Help our pocketbooks out more importantly. Tinyurl.com slash P3 Radio Tees. Welcome back to P3 Radio. Josh Barley and Richard Mulligan here with you. And Josh, right now, we have an important guest on the line. And I've been trying to get this guy for a while now. He's a close friend of mine, him and his family. And the man that some people would say was responsible for me being in the wrestling business, <laughs> depending on how they asked, would be, uh, should we give him credit or not? Might not be a good thing. But right now, we've got none other than one and the only Kevin White. Kevin, how's it going? Going pretty good. Yeah, I had to play this music. Because it was your, uh, I, I, I closely identify this song with you uh, more than the uh, Sharp Dressed Man one. Because when I, first started, <laughs> <laughs> when I first started wrestling, this is the one you'd come out to. All right. So, yeah, a lot of people probably don't remember that. Yeah, I, I, I remember that you were the, the white meat baby face coming out to the, <laughs> you dropped a bomb on me. And uh, I remember the first time I heard it, I was like, wow, I, I would have thought like rap music or something like that. But you know what? It, the crowd got into it. They knew it. You know what I mean? It was oh, yeah, they loved it. It was something easy for them to know exactly who was coming out when it came on, and they could clap to it. So it kind of helped get you over before you ever came out. Right. I mean, so it, I mean, it worked, like I said, back in the day. Uh, uh, I guess that was around, what, circa 2002, 2003, somewhere in there? Yeah, probably. But uh, but no, man, I, I'm, I'm glad to have you on. It's been, we've been doing, this is actually our 200th episode today. And uh, been trying to get you on for a while. I know uh, work schedules and then, you know, recreation stuff. And I know you're doing fishing stuff now. And uh, are you, you were really big into it there for a while. Uh, how's that all going? Yeah, it's going pretty well. You know, that pandemic kind of shut it down a little bit from, <clears throat> for a little while. So it take a little bit to get its momentum back up and going. Yeah. So you, you started getting into wrestling about early 2000s. About what, what year did you start? Uh, 98 98 yeah wow and uh what was the draw to get you in like where did you see i know you were a lifelong fan but what was the um did you see a commercial did you know somebody How, what what was the thing that got your foot in the door uh, my dad and bill dundee had <clears throat> had become friends you know my dad actually grew up in memphis and hurts village and and his next door neighbor as kids was Jimmy Hart, you know, so he knew those guys grew, grew up, you know, when they were just, uh, kids living in a rough project in Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> so he kind of had that, you know, tie to them, which easy to start a conversation with. And then him and Bill Dundee became friends and that's when Bill decided to train me as long as I finished, uh, graduated college during the training <laughs> right well i mean like i said i remember the first time i met you was actually uh i had a buddy of mine that was training at the bill dundee wrestling academy uh and it was at thomason warehouse here in jackson tennessee and i had uh always wanted to do professional wrestling and i had always talked about going to josh's uncle's place josh's uncle's place though is in louisville uh josh's uncle is uh danny davis Right, and I'd always talked about going. Well, I, I started dating a girl, and then my grandmother was in bad health, and I was like, you know what? You got landlocked. Yeah, I got a little landlocked, and I was <laughs> like, I got, I don't want to move off to Louisville. You know, my grandmother's not doing well. I'm I'm happy here, 
So I started working at Walmart and hated it, hated every minute of it, uh, until Seth came in one day and said, hey, hey, Richard, you want to do this wrestling thing? I was like, well, I don't really want to move off. He's like, no, there's a wrestling school right down the street. Six, uh, 16 weeks guaranteed to be a pro. And I'm like, guaranteed to be a pro? <laughs> like, there's no guarantees yeah, in wrestling. I yeah, I don't think anybody was ever told that. No. <laughs> Richard Lee was. <laughs> but I, I was smart enough to know. I was like, well, but, he, he, you know, it was Bill's class. First day in, I walk in, and, and you know, Bill insults me because, uh, you know, Seth's like, what do you think about my friend Bill? And he's like, well, brother, I think he needs to lose some weight, brother. <laughs> Saggy tits on this one, brother. <laughs> so, uh, but that's actually where I met you was about three, three, four weeks in. One day you were just there. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And Seth was like, oh, this is Kevin. He comes in and, you know, his, you know, his dad's Gary because I knew Gary and everything. And, um, and that's where I met you. And then Bill told me, he's like, well, I'm going to take off and Kevin's going to finish training you. And I don't remember what he was doing. I think he was going to the uh, circus or something, but it was only like three weeks yeah, in. It was only three weeks in. That's where I met huh. you, but you were, you were relatively young then. Like, yeah, I was probably, I don't even know what year that was, but uh, 2002. Maybe so. Yeah. I mean, you were like, yeah, in your twenties. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I remember you kind of took me under your wing and we did some things to, to every uh to train with with me and seth and it was only two of us uh we had no uh time to breathe really because <laughs> usually if you have a big class right. everybody has these times where they bump and everything and uh but no i mean how big was your class when you started training oh it was just dundee and myself mm. nobody else oh wow i bet that was awesome yeah, yeah. so yeah, it was kind of rough. I mean, we did it every single night, just about, you know, and I traveled with him to every show. Wow. Yeah, I remember the first time I was in the ring with him, uh, you know, he was calling a spot, and he said, all right, this is what we're going to do, headlock. He's like, I'm going to hit the ropes. T I'm going to tackle you. You take the bump. I've been taking the bump for 32 years. I ain't doing that. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, so you're going to yeah. take all the bumps. So uh, where uh, where was Bill's school at when he was training you? Did y'all just have a ring set up somewhere? Yeah, he had one in uh, Gibson County, Gibson, Tennessee, where he was living at the time. Oh, okay, okay. Well, yeah, I've got to ask because I know I sent you a text the other day because I've been trying to get you on here, and I I really do hate that I didn't I wasn't able to get you, and I think I didn't get Dale either. Uh, we did a tribute show for Brian, like just interviewed with some people like Danny, and I think we had Dr. Tom, people who had worked with him. And I remember I tried to get you and Dell on, couldn't make it work. I might have had a little thing from Dell. No, we had a whole episode, like episode, I think it was eight, yeah. where Dell, we had Dell on for like an hour and a half. Well, that was for, a long time ago. Right, right. So, uh, wanted to get you on for that. But the one thing I did ask you the other night, I said, are we going to, I was like, are you going to, are you going to talk about me being a little B? <laughs> and quitting when I was eighteen, <laughs> and I, oh, man, that, that, that never bothered me or phased me in any any direction. I'm sure. To be honest with you, I mean it's not a. You know, I wish I could go back to those days and probably not do some of the things that that I did. You know, I there's a lot of stories I could tell. You know, some wild situations, some right rough parties some stuff that we did for five or six years straight but i never want to really tell those stories because i don't want to be glorifying something that you know i just wish i could take back i can't yeah. i mean i don't say i wish i can't take it back because those 
those uh, rough years and and my partying hard and being put in situations that you know tough to come out of and get out of and doing the things and places and things you've seen made me who I am. Right. But that lifestyle not always you know something I want to condone is being uh, uh, you know probably don't want anybody listening to stories like that thinking oh that's cool you know right right. No, I mean, as an 18-year-old, and I was, as Josh can tell you, I was sheltered. Uh, I was, uh, you know, I'd been with my girlfriend for two years who ended up marrying. I've been with her for, we've been married 16 years together for 20 now. Uh, And we just, you know, I didn't even drink back then. Uh, You know, and, and going in, for some reason, I'd heard the stories, you know, about how crazy it could be. And I was thinking, well, it's just drinking. I can get away from that. But heard some stories and kind of spooked me and uh i didn't handle it the right way and <laughs> i probably should have i don't guess that i'll be honest there's really no right way or wrong way to handle it it's your way right it didn't i mean it never bothered me in one way shape form or fashion because it is a pretty uh you know shocking uh life to just walk into and i mean one of the first ones you've seen wasn't you know, traveling to Jonesboro, Arkansas, <laughs> the big <laughs> arena in Nashville, <clears throat> where you're trying to kayfabe and <clears throat> and all the, you know, a lot of big guys there and a bunch of partying going on from the time you go out on the road to the time you come back, you know? Right. So it wasn't like a small <laughs> trip. <laughs> even, though, even though it was, uh, <clears throat> it was a lot uh, less shocking as no as a lot of other times were that you never seen. So. <laughs> well, I, what was really cool about everything is uh, I stopped wrestling for a little while, like about a year, and then uh, I actually started wrestling for a guy that you had kind of introduced me to. You know, you were like, "Hey, this guy runs a few shows here and there." You know, if y'all want to, you and Seth want to break out and do some shows on the side to kind of get more, you know, more training and everything. You know, it probably wouldn't be a bad idea. And uh, so I did a little things with him, and then he he shut down, and I kind of fell into some dark dark areas of like just oof, like you know there's a there's a company that still runs today, but I mean, <laughs> oh man, I, you know I don't want to yeah you can't call him a company no <laughs> no no, and uh, the really cool thing was Miles started working at the gym, and you know Dale was up there at the gym, and uh, Miles told him who I was, and I always thought for some reason I just always thought I had like atomic heat with you guys and i was like yeah i don't yeah i don't even know where that came from because I, ne- <laughs> I never thought another not a one thing about it you know because even then i can remember probably maybe right before you started or right after sometime you know we had almost 20 students at one time yeah, yeah we had a lot and they would come and go you know so it was more normal for someone to go than to stay right so you know i mean you you, you're kind of expecting you're not expecting really anyone to make it if you train 50 guys and two or three or four just stick it out and are able to uh you know work a routine and work a weekly uh you know host the shows is a huge accomplishment because you know it's just hard you just don't It's not like gifted athletes with, uh, you know, all the tools show up at the training schools 
you know, a lot of those guys skip the training school, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> went straight right. to the business somehow or another. So, yeah, I, you know, they, I think it was the, uh, uh, you were good about giving pep talks and sometimes, I mean, you didn't hide how you felt on certain things. And I think at the time when I told you I, I was going to quit, um, Seth kind of got there first for some reason. Uh, I don't know how I was going to actually, you know, come in and, and turn in what the gear that I had and everything. But Seth had gotten to you first and told you, and you called me. I'm like, well, dang, Seth kind of stooged me out a little bit here. I was going to do <laughs> And you were trying to give me yeah. a pep talk looking back on it now. But back then I was like, oh man, this guy's pissed at me. So I, I don't know. I just always thought I had heat, but I remember no. you came up to me at the gym and you were like, Hey man, you know, there ain't nothing, you know, you know, nothing, you know, we don't have any heat. If you want to come back and just kind of do some things at my school, we're, you know, we're in Henderson now. And, and that's actually where I came. And, uh, we started, I started like doing a few things and helping work with some of the guys that you were training at the time in Henderson. And at the time you had like a whole bunch of people over there. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a good business, you know, I yeah. mean, then, but you had places to, for people to work and you had, you know, you had places for people to work that you knew you could send them and they not get hurt working some goofball yeah, or, right. you know, you had at least a little crew of people or, or I knew places I could say, Hey, these are my guys. Don't do anything stupid with them or don't, you know what I mean? Right. I, I could control kind of what they did. So I didn't want to send no guy up there and he just get squashed or treated horrible or something. That's horrible business anyway. So you could do that then. And that, that kind of helped. And I mean, I was on TV every week, so you right. could, you know, and these outlaw places would book you, and so and you, I'd make a good relationship with them and use that to my advantage for the guys in the school. So it was good for a little while. Yeah, I, I, there was one night in particular I wish I would have taken your advice a little quicker. Uh, that was at the New Daisy uh, in Memphis. <laughs> Crowd was uh, just terrible, and – you and you and Bill were supposed to work, and I don't know what happened, but you were like, "Hey, man, me and Bill are out of here," uh, and we were our music was playing, <laughs> and you were like, "Hey, yeah. man, you want to? Y'all probably want to head on out with us. Just y'all don't want to do this." And I'm like, "Well, our music's playing right now," and you were like, "You do what you want to do, but we're out of here," and that was the night I broke my leg. Yeah, uh, but I can't barely remember. I vaguely remember leaving a show, but I can't remember why I left. Why we left? I, I can't remember. I mean, it was nothing like you all didn't have heat with anybody, or nobody was mad. I think the promoter at the time was just like, "Hey, can't pay you guys for this, or can't pay you know what we want, or something." And I can't remember what it was, but you guys were like, "Hey, I'm we're we're out," you know. And uh, yeah. we, I should have went. Well, I'm sure if they couldn't pay, I wouldn't go wrestle. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that might have been the reason. But uh, I remember I lost uh, ten bucks on that show because I had to pay for parking. That didn't get validated. You lost more than ten bucks, brother. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. But uh, ever since that day, I was like, man, I should have, I should have listened to Kevin and walked out that day and just just left. Uh, I ended up getting yep. horse collared. Basically, it was a, supposed to be a Russian leg sweep. The guy's no longer with us, and I feel bad for saying it. But he didn't. He didn't hook the leg. Uh, when he did the leg sweep, he didn't hook my leg, and he just kind of pulled me down. And when he did my, it was a horse collar tackle. Basically, my ankle turned in, and that was all she wrote. Uh, still not right to this day. 
But uh, but yeah, yeah. what they do to have them have a mat just laying across the ring and not tied down or something? Uh, <laughs> well, the way he did it when he took the bump, he was a good. He was about Miles's weight, but he was about four inches shorter than me, maybe five inches. And when he he had me hooked in like a um, million dollar dream, and he was doing the leg sweep out of that. And when he did the million dollar dream, I was hunched over a good, you know, five six inches. But when he went to do the do the um, do the leg sweep, he didn't hook his leg behind my leg to pull it. So when he went, he went early, and I didn't know he was going, and he just just ripped me down sideways, basically. Uh, it was it was terrible. It was terrible. I, you know, I, it took pretty much because I feel I feel like that was what hurt my back in the long run. It it took probably five six years off of what I could have had of still wrestling and everything, but. But anyways, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, um, I actually, I walked out of there, uh, never got paid for the show, didn't get my parking val- uh, validated, <laughs> um, which is still a contingency that the guy got upset with me because I said I didn't get paid for the show and cause he didn't hmm. have the money box back yet. It's, it's neither here nor there. Uh, but who yeah, was the, who ran the show? That, that's the guy that works with Bert now. I can't, uh, Casey. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think I think this is I can't remember his last name. Casey something, <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah, he he was the one that was running the show. Uh, which the it was always cool to work in the New Daisy because that's where Memphis ran for so many years, you know, here and there. Yeah. But it's just there wasn't that a lot of people there, and it was like, man, I broke my leg in front of like ten people. Uh, right. Uh, but but now uh, the other the other thing that sparked in my memory was there was one night we were in Ripley. And uh, I don't remember who it was. Maybe Derek King or Alan Steele said, "Man, they ought to, Richard. They ought to just shoot the guy that got you in this business." And you were sitting next to him, and you were like, "Please, God, don't do that." <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, did you ever have like? Well, heck, those two guys shouldn't be saying that. You're just as good as they were. Ah, you're too kind, sir. You're too kind. I thought I thought I was okay for a big guy. Uh, there was things that, like you said, when I started working those indie shows, uh, I picked up some bad habits on how to do things and wasn't doing things the right way, which I think I cured that coming back and working with you guys a little bit. But, uh, but no, I enjoyed it and I had, had a blast. But my thing was, was the injuries. Did you ever, I don't remember too many injuries that you had when I was around, but how, did you ever have a real serious injury when we were in the ring? Yeah, at the Mid-South Coliseum one night, I was wrestling Coco Beware. And it was one of the really, really uh, good throwback shows. So there's like, I don't know, I mean, it was about three-fourths full in the Mid-South Coliseum. And when you're coming down to the ring and the guardrails around the ring, you know, and the people were leaning over, grabbing and just cheering and yelling. And I was the babyface then. So when I come down to the end of the ring, I wasn't paying any attention to Coco because I didn't, you know, I was just my entrance, you know. Right. But he decides he's going to just attack me as soon as i get down so he jumps off the ring you know like the double axe handle i didn't see him i'm too busy with the fans and stuff and when he jumped you know he jumped a little too far so his stomach hits me about right in the shoulder and just throws me right into the guardrail and breaks two ribs now we haven't even started wrestling yet and this is a you know an angle we've been doing on tv with my Mm -hmm dad on in my corner and jimmy hart in his corner it's one of those i quit matches <clears throat> and the finish is going to be where they got the ether can ether and they're going to spray it in the rag and put me out 
So now I got two broke ribs. Oh. We haven't even started wrestling. I can't hardly even breathe or get my breath. Or, you know, it's killing me. But we have a 15-minute match, and then when they finally it's uh, finished to where they hit my dad, knocked him down, Jimmy Hart threw the towel in as if my dad had threw the towel in, run back around. So it was like, you know, to keep the angle going. Right. And then I got back to the back, and that's all I remember. I woke up at the hospital in Memphis after that. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and there's not much they can do for it other than, what, tape them up? Oh, yeah, nothing you can do for it. <clears throat> I guess that I just had been wrestling for 15 minutes trying to take the smallest breaths that I could. Right. So I I guess I had too much uh, carbon dioxide type in in my, you know, I didn't have enough oxygen. Yeah. I couldn't get the oxygen. Well, my hands started curling up, and, oh, and then I think I kind of panicked when that happened. You know, right? What well, I mean, in that moment, are are you thinking? I mean, I'm just gonna have to roll out and throw the X up. I mean, this is this is horrible. I mean, yeah, or, at some or did, point, yes, yeah, horrible is horrible. But did you know? I'll be honest, I don't even know how I made it through it. Did you know? Hey, it's just my ribs, or did you not know? You're just hoping to get through the match. I didn't really. I mean, I knew my ribs hit the uh, that guard metal guardrail. I couldn't understand why I couldn't catch my breath. You know why? Right. I guess when you go to breathe, you know, that sharp pain hits you in the side, and you just can't take that full breath. Oh, God. And I, you know, I was trying to hold to my side, hold to my side, and which I mean, you had a lot of adrenaline going at the first when there's six, five hundred, seven thousand people. Yeah. You know, once they start getting heat on you, now the crowd kind of dies down. Boy, that trembling goes away fast. <laughs> that ride home and when that, you get out of the car. Yeah, I remember. I remember thinking, "There's no way I'm going to be able to make a comeback. No possible oh, way." Right. Well, and I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have to do this comeback about two weeks, three weeks from now. <laughs> yeah, I swear to God, I'm gonna be back yeah. on TV. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the worst things. Is like your adrenaline flows. You get in the car, you drive somewhere. Like I got in the car with my broke leg. I just thought I had a dislocated ankle or something. You know, you don't know until you know you get the X-rays of what you've done. You just know, hey, it hurts. Uh, you know, or hey, I can't breathe. Uh, it's easy to go back and go, well, I had two broke ribs when I was wrestling. You don't know that. You know what I mean? It's like, so in your mind, it's, it yeah. hurts when I breathe. So, I mean, I thought, you know, that played a lot whenever I, those two, three times I got hurt in the ring, it was like, man, you know, it's the, what's wrong with me? You know, it just keeps going through your head. But, uh, I know we watched. Well, it got, a, it got a lot worse. It, it got worse from when I got to the hospital. So then when I get to the hospital, <clears throat> I guess when I broke one of those ribs, it had uh, scratched, just barely scratched my liver. Oh, man. Nobody knew that. The doctors, nobody knew that. So they, they're they giving me medicines. Or, uh, and they're giving me some kind of medicine there. And whatever they're giving me is attacking that little scratch on my liver. Ugh. And I get deathly sick. I mean, sick, sick, sick. Like liver enzymes were supposed to be like at 40 or 50, and mine were like at 3,000. God Ooh. almighty. Yeah. So yeah. so how long did it take you to heal up from all of that? Well, once they realized what was causing it, they, right. they stopped giving me the medication. Right. <clears throat> it took me about, 
I think it took like I'd have to go like I went back a week later and they checked them. <clears throat> they come down to a thousand. You know, yeah. another week they come down to four hundred. So about three weeks, so I was finally back to normal. Oh Damn. wow, yeah, I remember. Uh, you know, I didn't work. I had a back surgery, and I wasn't going to work anymore. And I, I lost a little weight, and I was like, you know what, Kevin's still running Henderson. Of course, you y'all y'all ran those shows in Henderson that were just complete sellouts. Uh, it was like one of those shows. If I could do anything on it because it was so close to my house and because it was going to be a good crowd, uh, I always tried to get in. Be like, hey, can I can I work with that with y'all? So I decided after about five years out of the ring that I was going to wrestle. And I think we were. It was me and uh, Eric uh, Eric Wayne. We took on Coco and and Dundee, and it was like the only time my daughters ever watched me wrestle. And I got in there, and after about two or three minutes, Coco dropped full body weight like did a butt drop on my back, my lower back. And I felt like everything from my lower waist just jolt. And I was like, no, I think I'm done. <laughs> and, and I want to say it was like either that show or another one. You, you, you weren't doing full time at the time. Like you were starting to phase out a little bit. And I remember asking you, uh, cause I can't remember who came through the curtain and their shoulder or back was messed up. And I, I went, Kev, do you ever miss this? Like doing it all the time, and you you said absolutely not, <laughs> just for this reason right here, and uh, yep. I mean, so are you are you considered fully retired now from wrestling, or you know? Oh yeah, I'm fully retired. It's done for me. Heck, I had to have I had to have nerve blocks in my back about every four months too. Uh, yeah, those those aren't fun. I've I've had a couple of those, and and you know that's what kind of pisses me off about like the young people in the business today we see them on twitter or on facebook you know posting like these crazy dangerous bumps you know power bombs on the fucking two by fours off of the ring you know onto the floor on a gym floor and they're you know if you criticize them or anything well i guess you just want us to just not eat or this or this or this right. it's like you just don't understand what it's doing to your body until it's later on in life you know, I, I just, first off, the guys that are doing that, that ain't feeding them in any way, shape, mm -hmm. form, or fashion. Right. I promise you, they can say you don't want us to eat, but the guys that are doing those things and that stupid stuff, they're probably not even getting paid. They go work another job to, to eat or to do whatever with. Right. And that's what just kills the business. It'd be like anything else if you were, uh, you know, like you work for the school system. Mm -hmm. Well, if you had 50 people show up and start start doing teaching jobs and all this for free, right? You would you'd ruin the whole business. Right. <laughs> it, it would nobody would want to be a teacher anymore because you couldn't feed your family doing it. Are you you know what I mean? It'd be impossible. Or say you had a promotion. And that's what happens to the wrestling business. You know, had a promotion feeding people. So they start selling. Yeah. Right. Have a promotion for a wrestling promotion paying people with hot dogs. And handshakes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's why you have the talent you have, you know. Uh, no, I mean, I guess that's the one thing, too, that, you know, uh, I don't miss the injuries. I don't miss getting up. I have a daughter now, and I'm happy playing with her on Saturdays. But uh, but I tell you, you've trained. I mean, you, you had a successful school there. You trained a bunch of guys. Um, wasn't there the guy that trained with you guys before me? He was doing like a Samoan Hawaiian gimmick. Isn't he still in wrestling? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he is. I can't remember his name. Um, hey, he works down in Atlanta now. I, you know, I, mean, I tell you what, he was a guy that was uh, probably took 
I don't know, four months to even get him up the courage just to take a simple back bump. Yeah. He would drive from Lewis, Lewisburg every week to train, and he was a barber. He cut hair in Lewisburg. Good, good kid. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. It took him about four months before he ever uh, even took a back bump. Wow. He trained for a year and a half almost, I think. Wow. And that's Louis. not a short drive Chris Louis. <laughs> Yeah, Louie. Yeah, that's his name. Like, oh yeah, it's a four or five hour drive. He drove. Yeah. He never missed a never missed a training session. Yeah, I remember your dad told me one time he was like, yeah, when he first started, I was like, yeah, I don't think he's ever gonna he's ever gonna do it. And he's like, he's actually done really well for himself, you right. know. And um, yeah. you've had a few a few people go on to do uh, some pretty decent things in wrestling. I mean, I guess Sue's the only one still working from the class of people that, other than Louie. Uh, I don't know. Is there anybody else you can think of that's still probably yeah, going? It's a tough business, you know, especially. Yeah, not off the top of my head. You know, there's some guys that, like, we had, we didn't fully train them, but, like, they sent them, and they come to four or five sessions, you know, mm. to uh, a couple of them were the guys that were the cheerleaders in WWE for a while there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Spirit yeah, Squad. I can't remember who. Yeah, there was two guys there that came and worked out with me for about three or four weeks. That uh, uh, whoever was training them at the time, I think maybe uh, Mr. Hughes, Curtis Hughes, yeah. was training them, and he sent them down just to you know train, and I'd send some guys to him or whatnot. Yeah, he had a guy that came. To, I remember he was he was doing Memphis TV from it, uh, but he came in with Hughes. Uh, he's still wrestling. I can't remember his last name. Sean something. Uh, he, I think he's still in TNA or something. But he was really good. He was a. I mean, I think he's pretty much made a name for himself now. But I remember him coming yeah, in and training I with us. I think we put him on TV on Memphis TV. He came and trained a little too. Yeah, me and Miles wrestled him on TV that time, and he he was like, "What do I need to do? To, I'm going to do this to get you guys." Like he green, was, he yeah, was, but he green. was, but he was so giving. Like he he didn't care. He was just like, "I'll do whatever I want. You know, whatever y'all want me to do, I'll do." So. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so I guess all that said, you had a pretty good long career about what, almost what, 20 years, maybe Yeah, 22? 18, 19 years. I think. What was the moment that you look back on and go, if it all ended after that, you know, that was my proudest moment in wrestling. Uh, probably main event in the mid South Coliseum and a scaffold match against the, uh, all time winning, winningest scaffold match person in bill dundee <laughs> and uh, this is the night that you know we've been doing like a eight month angle we done we've already had you know like four or five big mid-south coliseum shows to where we were going to finish the angle but you know they decide to keep it going longer so you know mm -hmm. i've done taking like uh one angle taking the 10 lashes across your back Right. You know, I was yeah. supposed to go over that night, but they won't keep it going. So I done took these 10 lashes, <laughs> you know, got screwed that night. Next one was, I can't even remember, but something else, you know, like that. that now nah, we're going to keep it going. I get screwed again. So now we have the scaffold match, you know, guarantee. All right, we're going to finish this and you go over tonight and we'll start new angles and we'll go back to TV or whatever. Well, I didn't, you know, they they didn't set the scaffold up until our match, the main event. So there was no way to go out there and look at it beforehand or 
you know. Right. <laughs> so the people from the scaffold company, they bring the wrong scaffold. Now, this scaffold is 25 feet oh, my God. above the mat, wrestling mat. Yeah. So we get out to the ring, and Bill's like, I can't fall off that. And he couldn't. <laughs> There's no way. I mean, <laughs> right. if you could just fall off of it, it would have killed him. Right. It been, so I'm thinking, my God, again, another, you know, here we go, another whole month. So I'm going to have to, you know, nobody's ever, uh, you know, you set up the big angle when you do those big gimmick matches, you know, that's when the baby face is supposed to go over. Right. You know, you can't keep beating the baby face. <laughs> <laughs> Then all those times, you know. So, but but in fairness, if the baby face goes over here, he kills the hill, like literally kills yeah. the hill, <laughs> like attempted murder. So, so I'm kind of fine with it at this point. Well, all of a sudden, Jimmy Hart comes running out of the back, and I remember he pulls me to the side and he said, "All right, here's what we're going to do." And he was real big. He was at every TV and at everything, and he had already, you know. So he was kind of taking me under his wing a little bit you know we'd made music videos and went on bills and he tried to do things to get you over so he came out and said i'm going to go get on the loudspeaker and i'm going to make an announcement that in order to win the match the opponent has to dive off the scaffold onto his opponent he said and then he said so for you to dive off on bill y'all get fighting crazy out of the thing and i'm gonna send all the guys from the back have a little pull apart and then when they all get back in the ring you go up and jump and everybody will catch you <laughs> <laughs> so i said all right well i guess and finally we get to the end and i mean i'm up there and looking down and there's 15 guys in the ring you know a lot of them close friends you know <laughs> i'm thinking man they look awful small down there i don't know about this and when I jumped, the one person that 100% got up under me and caught me, I know it had, he had, I had to break something on him, was a guy I didn't even know. I just met him that day, and he was, uh, 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 name was Casey Anthony. Yeah. 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 And he, and he had a broken hand, arm with a oh. cast on it. But that guy got dead up under me, and he caught me with let me take i mean he took 100 percent of my fall and i know it had hurt him because i felt like i was coming down with a quickness <laughs> right now what would you say would be your like i know that was probably the moment that you said oh man I, you know i could quit now was there a match that stood out like a tag partner or an opponent that you know you would work 20 30 more times if you could um like your favorite opponent yeah I, yeah, probably, uh, man, there's a couple. Bart Sawyer and yeah. Ashley Hudson were a, were a whole lot of fun, you know, as far as being able to really go. You know, right. you could somebody push you and you can go balls to the wall. Now, I loved every mint tag. You know, I tagged with uh, The Rock's dad, Rocky Johnson. Yeah. We tagged for about two months. So you're saying that you might great. have you're saying you might have a casting spot on Young Rock coming up, huh? Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little cameo action. <laughs> uh, what, you know, and actually, there was one time uh, there was a guy that 
I became good friends with in Nashville back when the fairgrounds had set out pretty good. And uh, he wrestled by, uh, oh man, my mind just went blank now. His name was Todd, but he wrestled by Sam, uh, Sam Houston. Mm-hmm. Well, he wrestled in WCW yeah, on the yeah. Saturday night show. and He was a young guy my age, but he lived in an apartment in Nashville. He had a lot of money, but nobody knew he had money. When he wrestled at WCW, he knew how to invest in stocks, and he was taking flair, and all the big guys were having him invest their money because he knew how to do it and make them money. You know, he never was a big star in WCW, huh. but – that's how he made his money by investing their money. Yeah. Well, anyway, he was a super cool guy, very nice guy, and I was staying with him. I stayed with him when I wrestled in Nashville. And one morning, I'm on the couch, and somebody starts beating on the door. Now I don't even know because he don't even. He's very modest. He don't talk about stuff or nothing. Open the door, and there's the Rock. Rock standing in the doorway, thinking, "What in the hell?" <laughs> Come to find out, Sam Houston and the Rock were next door neighbors when they were little. And they were best friends growing up. Huh. So whenever he came to Nashville, he comes by and sees him. That's pretty He cool. never told me that or anything to <laughs> that day. So then we all go to the gym, work out, and go to eat Dunkin' Donuts afterwards. <laughs> Which is kind of counterproductive, you know. But, yeah. hey. Uh, no, I mean, so I guess um, two last questions, and then we'll let you go. Um, one, since we covered all the great things, is there one thing in your wrestling career – uh, besides training the tubby guy from Bemis that you you wish you could take back. <laughs> yeah. Take back, man. I don't know if you like can I take said, stuff back. I mean, there's a lot of things I wish I could take back, but, you know, uh, if you take something back, you, you, a lot of the things you wish you took back are the things that probably end up making you who you are today. You know, right. yeah, there's a lot of times that probably I didn't uh, – I mean, just in general, I could have used that platform to do more positive things than what I did. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think we all feel that way from time to time. I mean, there's times when we're on this show talking about how my dog humps his pillow, and I'm thinking, do, is this something I'd really want my mom to hear? <laughs> uh, I could probably right. be doing so much for different people, <laughs> and besides I'm doing this. Right. But, no, we all have that thought about, you know, I, I should do more, I should have done more, but – uh, you know, like I said, at the end of the day, you did what you could, and you, I mean, you're you're doing things now, and you realize it now, so that's always the plus. Right. Um, last question I was going to bring up, and and this is a uh, I kind of alluded to it earlier, and you could tell me you don't want to talk about this or whatever. Um, I I always felt bad I couldn't make it work to get you guys, you and Dell, on to talk about uh, Brian when we had him on, when we you know we had him on the show, and then we did the tribute video uh, show for Brian. Uh, do you have any funny stories or a uh, funny memory you can think of about Brian that you'd want to share with us? Man, I have a bunch of funny stories and a bunch yeah. of funny memories yeah. that I could tell you, but, uh, you know, ones that are safe to tell on here is one that, uh, which I mean, there's several of them. There's just yeah. several nights, you know, we'd be in my kitchen, just have me laughing until I was crying on the floor. <laughs> but one night it was actually, exactly during this time right here it was memorial day weekend mm. and uh he's at my house and it's like two o'clock in the morning we're in the kitchen and he's standing there and he's like looking at his phone and i can tell like man he's kind of wanting to tell me something but 
you know, you don't act, uh, but I couldn't tell. I said, man, what are you doing? He's like, all right, I'm going to tell you anyway. He said, look at these messages on my phone. So I'll get to look, and he said, this last night, he said, this, I met this girl, and she, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't know that I'm not working in WWE now and all, so I was trying to hype her up and stuff. So I get to look, and this message, and he's like, uh, about to head to a VIP party at <laughs> this big club, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I mean, he just, so I'm reading it. I'm thinking, dang, where was you at last? You know, I'm thinking, you showed up here. You've been at my house for a while. <laughs> and I'm looking at him. I can't confuse this. He said, he said, yeah, I was at my e-mall's house the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> and he done told this girl, he's in the limo, oh, heading to VIP and all this stuff. <laughs> had me rolling, man. I thought, he just had been there. Just the funniest thing. Because he's not that type of person. He didn't. He's not one. He never was one to make stuff up or to tell you know outlandish stories you never had to because it's true stories were that way you know <laughs> right yeah um and you I, know and i mean he, he he's done the stuff like that and had that in reality he didn't have to tell that girl a thing <laughs> right <laughs> but it's just is funny to me that you know he's and then it's kind of good because what friends would tell each other stories like that stuff that you wouldn't tell anyone because right. you wouldn't want, you'd be too embarrassed you know uh, well that's how you know you was a good friend man yeah and I, right. I always got the feeling that the one thing i did have in common with brian was i think brian and don't you know you can tell me if i'm wrong because you you guys were like brothers so you knew him better than i did brian kind of wore his heart on his sleeve to a point and, and in a good way because uh, absolutely i think we yeah, all I'll tell you another funny story about that so we're wrestling he and I are wrestling one another. Right. I can't remember where. We're at some, uh, like, it's like a benefit show to begin with. And there's this guy on the show that is from this town. He is not a full-time wrestler. He just wrestled because he's from this town, a local guy or something. Mm -hmm. Well, we're in the middle of our match. It's, a, you know, packed place or whatnot. And, and I, Brian, I can see Brian. He's just turning red during the match, and he keeps looking over you know, out in the crowd, I can tell he's looking at us like, what the heck is going on? He's like, oh, man, he's a jack-offs. That jack-offs <laughs> out there mingling with the crowd, signing, taking focus off our match and blah, blah. You know, I'm thinking, dang, I don't even really know. I, everybody's into our match. I don't, I don't see it, but, you know, I'm thinking. Anyway, we get to the back. So me and Brian are in the bathroom, and lo and behold, this dude walks in. And I mean, Brian, be, I mean, he starts in on this guy. And he starts telling him, "You watch, what you, you know, you don't go out there and mingle with the crowd or be seen in the crowd against someone else's match. You're taking focus off of, you know, our time. I mean, he's and he's effing. He's, I mean, he is laying into this guy, and this guy's heads down. You know, I mean, this guy's scared to death. And all of a sudden, Brian's finished, and he can't really. He's done said everything five times. You know, he can't, and the guy ain't making no saying nothing back. He's about." scared to death and brian goes well you got anything to say for yourself and the guy goes sir uh i've got a, a mentally uh handicapped kid and he was having a seizure out there oh. so i had to go out there to take care of him <laughs> and brian goes um 
Man, why didn't you tell me that? He said, come on, let me get you some pictures and some, <laughs> and some gimmicks to give you and your son. Yeah, oh, man, he just changed on the spot. <laughs> well, that was the one thing yeah. I was going to say with, with Brian, the way he wore his – the way he wore his heart on his sleeve like that, oh. I don't know anybody. Well, I, I know a few people that didn't, but I know a lot of people that were close with him that got that voicemail, no telling what time it was going to come in, where Brian was hot. Uh, I had a few of them, you know, <laughs> you know, hey, what, what the hell's, what the hell's the matter with you, you know, and just yada yada yada, and you call him back and go, Brian, I was asleep. <laughs> oh, okay, and he was quick to apologize, <laughs> right. but it was always like. He, I don't know. He, he would get that like if he thought you were slighting him a well, little bit or doing the something. People wrong. that he liked, if he liked somebody, yes. he, that's what hurt him. If he didn't like you, or didn't know you, he didn't care what you did wrong to him. He wasn't gonna right. say nothing. Right. But if he felt hurt, if he felt ever felt hurt in any way, the only way he knew how to react was out of anger. Yeah. Right. You know, if somebody hurt him, that pissed him off. Right. Because he's thinking I wouldn't hurt anybody intentionally oh, yeah. that I like or care about. Yeah, and that's how I knew he. You I, know, and I'm kind of that way too. You know, yeah. I get, I'm gonna get mad and hot if someone does something to me that I care about or, or like. If I didn't like them or didn't care about them, I wouldn't give a crap what they did or said about me. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, two months after we did the interview with him, he came on our show and did the interview. He, uh, he gave, he, it was the last time I ever got one of those hot voicemails, you know, and he was just upside down, right side out, just <laughs> reading me the right act. And I called yeah. him back and he was still hot. And I'm like, Brian, what's, what's wrong, man? He's like that interview. He's like, you put it out. And I said some things I shouldn't. And he told me the story. <sighs> And it was a story that involved Josh's uncle that we had already but, edited well, from the yeah, show. We never put it out because uh, yeah. we took care of it. Right. Yeah, and he goes, I shouldn't have said that, and you put yeah. it out. Oh, I've got plenty of stories like that. I've been many a time <laughs> yeah. where he starts laying into another guy over some issue, but I'm listening, and I hear it, and I have to go over and say, Brian, he, you know, I had to tell him, that guy done took care of that. He ain't done it. He's like, you sure? Yeah, <laughs> I said I'm positive. I'm never, you know, somebody I don't even know know nothing about. You know, I mean, right? Which I mean, you know, we spent. I mean, nobody spent more time with him than I did. He right. was basically lived here most of the time. You know, and you know, he, he was, my dad was kind of like his dad. My kids are. He was their godfather. It was. I mean, it's just a relationship that I'll never ever have again, and not many people in the world will ever have a relationship like that where you're. You know, you know, you can call them at three o'clock in the morning. Man, what they gonna come? You know, my right. right. One one of my uh, sons was born. He sat there all night, all day. He wanted to be the first to hold my son, and he had to leave for a booking by four o'clock in the evening. Well, we were supposed to have the baby at eight o'clock that morning, but it didn't happen. And he sat there all day, and he finally has to leave in twenty minutes. After he leaves, we have him the baby so then we my wife gets pregnant again next time he's in uh new york or somewhere up north and he has his match and goes and rents a car and drives non-stop and is at the hospital before we get there the next morning to Man. make sure that this time he's the first one to hold my kid that's born that's you awesome, know, man. Yeah. Stuff like that. Or when my mama was in the nursing home, you know, and I didn't 
go as much as I should have gone to see my grandmother when she was in the nursing home. But I remember going, showing up and walking in and there's pictures of Brian everywhere because he had already been going and seeing my grandmother, not even telling me. <laughs> wow. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and that's the way Brian yeah. was. I remember there was one night we were doing a show in Selmer. I think it was the night, uh, your dad had a run in with a fan. <laughs> Surely yeah. not. Surely not. Not Gary. Um, and we might yeah, come. I was on my way to the ring, and my dad knocked him off his feet because he's coming to hit me. The yeah. guy was. Didn't he throw a coke can at your dad too? Like he threw a full coke. No, he threw it towards me at first, and then when I get ready, when I came back out to wrestle, he started coming down the aisle. I didn't even see him. It was coming right towards me. You remember who you wrestled that night? No. It was me. <laughs> we were in the ring about five minutes, and you go, well, the crowd's dead as hell. Let's just go home. <laughs> well, yeah, when somebody gets knocked a flip and knocked out, it pretty much uh, makes the match look not too much exciting going on after somebody sees somebody really getting knocked a flip. <laughs> well, uh that being said there was a night there i think it was the same night there was a kid in the crowd that uh had some physical disabilities and found out the next day uh brian went over to his house and played video games with him all night long you know it, that was just the type oh, of yeah i could tell you millions of instances like that yeah because i was you know we traveled together so i had to tag along with him to all <laughs> those things and he did that every you know that was the thing you know as long as we travel with him you you might wrestle thursday friday saturday but you may not be home to monday yeah. all those stops that you're gonna make you the last trip i took with him it became like he wanted to go to all these places and i'm like brian i gotta get home man i gotta <laughs> i gotta do this i got a wife at home waiting and oh, okay why well, about we just stop over here real quick <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but he just he loved that and he loved people and I, I tell you what, I'm, I'm so happy i was able to get you on and talk about those stories but uh but man I, you know we have to have you on again sometime anything you want to promote that you're doing now i know i've seen the facebook feeds and stuff but I, you know anything you want to promote well, I mean, oh, we do now. We do uh, land clearing and dirt work, dozer work, and got a construction business. We're building a bunch of lakes and ponds and stocking them and stuff like that. So if anybody needs any building site work or land cleared or excavating done, we're the people to call. And they do great work. Like I said, if you check them out on Facebook, Kevin White on Facebook, he, he has a lot of the pictures, and they're, they're beautiful jobs. Go and check those out. Well, once again, Kev, thanks for being a part of P3 Radio. Josh, we, we've pretty much done it. Uh, go ahead and tell the people how to get a hold of us on Facebook, how to give us a call, how to leave their voicemails, and find us on social media. Well, if you're on Twitter, we are at P3 Radio, the number one on Facebook, putting that search bar, Pop Poncho, P-O-N-C-H-O, and you'll see our photo. And if you want to get with us the old school way, 731 300-6675. For Josh Barley, this is Rich Bullock and saying thanks for listening and good night. <laughs>